Hello and welcome to the She Reads Truth Podcast, where we open our Bibles and talk about the beauty, goodness, and truth we find there. I'm your host, Rachel Myers. And I'm your other host, Amanda Bible-Williams. And this is the first in our Ephesians series, and we are so excited to have our friend and special guest, Jenny Allen, with us. Jenny is the visionary behind If Gathering. She's a New York Times bestselling author, and she's recently launched a new series of books for children called Theology, Theology. which we're so excited about. This is a wonderful episode. Jenny just brings the fire as she always does, and we think you're going to love it. Let's go. Okay, Jenny, I woke up this morning excited about this, like excited to talk about Ephesians 1 and 2. With my friend Jenny and my friend Amanda. Yeah, like, yeah I'm excited. This, the, I know we're friends. The you book of Ephesians preaches mm-hmm. and it reforms and it informs and it slices mm-hmm. and it's just, I was reading it yesterday and out loud in my living room and that's just something that happens in our house. And so if you're walking through the kitchen, you're just going to hear mom reading out loud books of the Bible because it's how I process. It's how I digest mm-hmm. what I'm reading. And I like an audience. But I was just reading it yesterday. And just I think that the thing about the book of Ephesians, you can read the whole book in 20 minutes. It's not long. It's a letter. It's meant to be read in one sitting. We're reading it over the course of three weeks. But we also encourage the she's to read the whole book before we start. Yep. Read the whole thing. 20 minutes. But it does read like a letter, and it has a theme. It has this theme of unity in the church. And when you get that big picture, then you can zoom in, like we're going to do today, and talk about chapters one and two. Jenny, I'm so excited, and I'm glad it's you. Oh, that's so kind. Well, hey, I'm glad you picked me for this great passage because it's one of my absolute <laughs> favorites. So it was, you know, a good one. You could have given me something really tough, girls. You could have like taken me through the Next ringer, time. but this is this is Next actually time. a lot of fun. <laughs> Here's the the beautiful thing about the She Reads Truth podcast is that we do read truth on the podcast. And so we can start, I would love to just kind of, I think it gives our listeners who don't have their books or their Bibles in front of them a little bit of good context. Amanda, do you want to just kind of read, I mean, you can read the whole one through 14 or just that first part of the greeting. The things to pay attention to here, you're going to hear either the phrase in him or in Christ a lot. Pay attention to that. That's significant. And and what we're going to see is that so much of what Paul is talking about is true in him because of Christ. And none of this could have come to pass, come to be, were it not for the sacrifice of the bodily sacrifice of Christ. Yeah. All of those prepositions are important in, through, and by. Yeah. 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 Let's read it. Or should we? And Jenny, I want you to read too, because I like it when our guests read too. All right. This is Ephesians 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, that he purposed in Christ as a plan for the right time, 
to bring everything together in Christ, both things in heaven and things on earth in him. In him, we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will, so that we who had already put our hope in Christ might bring praise to his glory. Here we go, you guys. Verse 13. In him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Do you believe this is true? I do. I do too. I do. This brings to mind our dear friend, Jackie Hill Perry, who sometimes when she speaks on stage, she eventually just like transitions from her talk into just straight scripture quoting (laughs) and like can just bring down the house. I mean, I'm not saying that's what I just did because I definitely did not. But like she just has a way and you just you're like, why? I'm so moved. And then you realize she's just reading the Bible and it's even better. Mm. You're like, yes. Like man's <laughs> words are so good, but God's word. Like it makes me think of if this past year mm. where we just read mm-hmm. Romans 8 yeah. as a community, like out oh, loud. Jenny, it was so good. No. Oh my gosh. When I realized I mean, that's bring what it y'all were doing, yeah. I was like. The ground shook. I mean, it was crazy. Just reading it. Yes. ground <laughs> shook. There's just nothing like just so reading good. God's words. It's so good. Uh. Yes. So good. Amen and amen. This is so good. And I mean, what a passage. You love this chapter. What a passage. Because, you know, if there's one thing we're all craving right now, it is a sure hope. It is a a sure, confident hope. And this is like concrete. I mean, do you read it and you realize, oh my gosh, like this is our steadfast, never changing Mm -hmm. because God never changes. And even, mm-hmm. and you know, and it builds out, especially in these verses right here, it builds out an identity that is so unthinkable. I mean, w- one thing I hate about this passage, candidly, is that it is so <laughs> hard to get my head around. And I have studied this in depth. In depth, I have studied these words and I'm like, try it. Like, I'll just like squeeze my, yes. you know, my head and be like, I just want to get it. Because I think if we could get these 14 verses I think it would change everything because he's talking about the power we have in the Holy Spirit. He's talking about our adoption as children. He's talking about our salvation being secure because he's the one that secured it. He's talking about our hope and redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. Like, oh, it's every, like, I mean, there's just not a better little summary of what's true of us, what's true of God, what's true of our, you know, inheritance. And so, yeah, I think it's so big. So it'll be fun today to break it down a little for everybody. The first yeah. thing that came to mind when you all asked me to speak about this was a moment flashback to me of being in seminary. And, you know, the classrooms are super boring, like just desks, like no <laughs> art. I mean, it's just dead in there. And no offense to, you know, the seminary, it's fine, but it's a classroom, right? And so we're sitting in that classroom and and this is the work we do every day, right? We sit down with our Bibles and our notebooks and we work and we listen and we learn. And for some reason, on the day that we approached Ephesians, we did this. We we read through it and and I remember it wasn't completely uncommon for me to cry in seminary, but it wasn't normal either. <laughs> and I just remember it striking me in a way 
that no other book did that made me cry and it made me want to give it away. So this is so Mm. full circle that y'all would ask me to even speak on this because I remember almost just feeling in my heart that day in that boring, dull, like brown classroom was (laughs) I have like the greatest gift in the world and I want to go give it away. And it was specifically Ephesians. And I think the reason just to talk big picture about this before we go into the whole chapter is what I love about Paul. One, he's I relate to Paul's writing a lot. He's kind of all over the place, but he's very strategic about it. Like he knows exactly yep. where he's going. Yeah. But it kind of sounds like one big run on sentence. And he's just- Because it is. Yeah, he's just so passionate. <laughs> you know, he's just going to keep talking. And so yeah. I appreciate that. But what he did strategically is he spent the first three chapters really building mm-hmm. out the truth of who God is, who yep. we are. And then he spends the the last three chapters of Ephesians saying- So this is why we obey him. And I Mm -hmm. think that's why I cried that day in class was understanding who God was, was beginning to change my motivations. It was beginning to change the why behind obeying God. And I grew up in in a Christian home to where I think to some degree, my motivations can sometimes be obligation or it's the right thing to do. And what Paul did was he lifted up God in such a glorious way, in such a beautiful way that it was like, how could you not obey him? How could you not live in unity? How could you not want this God and therefore live out all your days here? And I think that's what caught me as important. And the gift that we give away is just, there's, (laughs) there's an incredible thing we've been given. And I think this chapter paints it really beautifully. And he paints this picture and writes this letter from prison. Yeah. And as a former Pharisee and as the, you know, the most best rule follower of them Mm -hmm. all. And so to be the guy that gets to usher in and participate in the ushering in of unity, the Jews and the Gentiles having unity in the church it's just beautiful to know, like you said, Jenny, to go back and like before we like dig in deep in, in all the little things to go like this book is written by a man who thought he had it all figured out and was just mm-hmm. so wrong and was invited. He was like the first, like he, it's the we love because he first yes. loved us. I'm mm-hmm. going to invite you because he first invited me and struck me blind so that I could see and he's now writing it because he's being oppressed and imprisoned because he believes this so passionately. And I like what you said, too, about that he, yeah, he sounds a little scatterbrained or run on sentence. I think that, like, the first maybe verses 3 through 14 of this are in the Greek. It's one run on yeah. sentence. It's actually a run on sentence. Because <laughs> uh, he just keeps going. But he, he just has, he's so intense and so passionate. And if you're going to be intense and you're going to be passionate about something, yeah. let it be inviting people to the gospel. Amen. Yes. I love that. Well, we so often, when you talk about motivation for obedience and yeah. and even like I can almost picture, you know, a younger Jenny Allen in seminary and, and like how, when did you go to seminary? I was young. I was in my twenties. Yeah. 
Yeah. But just like, because all of the, the emotion that leads to that, to you being in that place and probably like such a desire to do the right things with your life, you know, to do what you feel you've been called to do and not to put like any motivations um, to, let's see, what's the word? Not to project any motivations onto young Jenny Allen. But like I, if it were me, that would be a total reframing where I'm like, wait a minute. I so often get it backwards where like Mm -hmm. I'm doing these things in order to or in order for these things to be true about me. Mm -hmm. And what Paul is doing is saying, these are the things that are true in Christ, by Christ, through Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, here are the things that are true. And then the other follows. But how often do we do it the other way around where it's like, okay, these are the things I'm going to do so that... I can be blameless in Christ and loved and accepted and in part of God's family. And it's like, no, no, no. <laughs> that is a foundational misunderstanding of the way the gospel works mm-hmm. or the way, you know, I God's think, love works. I think you're you're not putting wrong motivations on young Jenny Allen. And I will say <laughs> they're they're sticky because I was groomed mm-hmm. in them all my life, right? So those were the things I learned and heard again and again. And I don't think anybody meant to mislead me, but I do think I definitely picked up somewhere that God's love was dependent on my action. Mm-hmm. And what I know now as a parent, and specifically with this chapter, an adoptive parent, is mm-hmm. no, like you cannot rebel enough to make me not love you. It is literally impossible. And so, you know, he tests it. (laughs) He tries. (laughs) But now I understand that even in a different way that I didn't then. But I still, I still fall back into that, that the last three chapters, I think sometimes in my mind get flipped with the first three where, where it's like, oh, because, Mm -hmm. you know, because I do all this, therefore God chose me. Therefore I have these spiritual blessings. Therefore, you know, all of these things are true. And and, and I love that Paul's adamant, like, hey, this was what you got to get first. If you get that this Mm -hmm. is not movable, I promise you, you're going to want to have, you know, you're going to want to have healthy marriages and you're going to want to, you know, live in submission to your husband. I promise you, if you get this God, you're going to understand how marriage was even meant to be because you're going to understand what it means to be loved and secure. And so I do think the beautiful thing is he he doesn't leave us in our like love delight relationship. He pushes us in the following chapters to holiness and obedience, right? He doesn't say it's enough to yeah. just know God. He, he's very clear like if you know God like this, then you're going to live differently. And then I think the issue is how do we actually believe this stuff, right? So right. How yeah. do we let it seep in because in seminary I knew I knew the gospel that that it wasn't by works lest anyone should boast. I knew that it was the redeeming blood of Jesus Christ. I just still fell back into a performance relationship with God. And I think what mm-hmm. what chapter 1 specifically is doing is saying, "Hey, I'm going to put you in your place here in our family. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make it clear yeah. who you are and what you are. You're my kid. <laughs> you know, yeah. you're my child. And I have inheritances for you that are alongside that of my son, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. it's, right. it's crazy. And then, you know, there's a mystery to it, as as verse 9 says. It's that, I mean, it's that grammar logic rhetoric of like the Greek learning style and the classical mm-hmm. learning style where like at the grammar stage, Jenny, you were trained in the law. Yeah. And you knew what was right and how to live. 
And that's good. Yeah. It's good that you grew up learning and knowing how and what and like memorizing scripture. And then the logic is the like younger Jenny going or younger any one of us going like, I knew that it was by grace, not by works. Like I knew that. Like logically I knew. But then you get to the rhetoric of wanting, like of praying for understanding and like digging into these words and like understanding that, you know, verse five says, he predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. It's not according to us getting it. It's not Mm -hmm. according to us doing it right. It's according to the pleasure of his good will. Like, That's beautiful. That is is the good father. Let's talk about that for a little bit because I think that's at the heart of what we're saying, that if we don't realize that God delights in us and over us, then we are that rebellious child, right? We are that child that just can't ever measure up. That Even if we're a good, quote, good kid, you know, it's it's like we just will always live feeling like he's an angry father and how do I relate to him? And he doesn't love, or maybe he loves me because he's supposed to be, but he doesn't like me. Right. And I just think this is so beautiful that, that Paul reveals his motivation even. And what you're saying is so good of, you know, this was according to his good pleasure. And I think that idea of pleasure and delight is something we really miss in Christendom, (laughs) that God's pleasure and delight over us, that this was all a good plan. (laughs) It's not offered begrudgingly. Yeah. And that he's not like, oh, gosh, it all broke. So I guess I got to fix it. You know, like Adam and Eve, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Plan B. (laughs) Like us as parents, when we're like, I can't believe you did that. It's like, well, God, you know, (laughs) he set it in motion and he knew. And this was part of his good pleasure to redeem and to show us, you know, a different way and to make us children, even though we would be those that completely rebelled. It's, Mm -hmm. it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It really is. And that phrase, I love that you pointed out that in him, like that really is the in Christ phrase really is the proof. Like when our hearts try to distort the gospel, but we go back to that, like we are not our actions are not the basis for God's grace and love toward us. It's Christ's actions that are the basis of the grace. And I appreciate that Paul uses the word mystery. Yeah. Because it is, it's a mystery. Like I, you know, words fail when I try to articulate why that is or make some grand theological point because it goes against the way our society works. Like where... In what other, you know, relationship except maybe, you know, yeah, like maybe with my kids, but even then it's, it falls way short, Mm -hmm. you know, but we are so used to meriting favor. Like that's the way that it works. Like the hard work comes before the payoff and it just, it just goes against everything in us. I was reading some of N.T. Wright's commentary on Ephesians, and he was talking about the phrase in Christ. So he just points out that in a lot of Jewish thought, like the king represents the people. So what happens to him happens to them. What's true of him is true of them. And so Christ is our king. And not only that, like our our advocate, our sacrifice, like our... he. And so if we are in him, like what is true of him is true of us in the gospel. And that makes no sense. 
It makes zero logical sense. You're talking about grammar logic rhetoric. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And I think that is one of the reasons that we fight it. Like our instinct just fights it and wants to yes. earn it. But it there strips is, our pride, right? Like that that is yes. that actually bothers us <laughs> that we didn't do anything. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um somebody is, you know, brings me a meal every week. Not currently, but this happened a while back. And they're bringing me a meal every week because we were busy and going through something. And it felt, I don't know what I I can say. (laughs) If somebody brings me a meal once, that means a lot. If somebody starts bringing you a Mm -hmm. meal every week and she would drive about 30 minutes to deliver it. I had this feeling of like guilt and I can't, please don't do Mm -hmm. it. Like I literally wanted her to stop. I Now- (laughs) When the meal came and my family got to sit down and in the midst of a very difficult, crazy season, I was so grateful. But mm-hmm. my flesh was like, I cannot receive this. This is too much. <laughs> and that's exactly right. right. Like we're reading this and we're going, it's almost like that's a reason we don't want to take it in is I don't, mm-hmm. I, these are big words and, and I don't think there's no way this can be true. And even if it is, it's like, mm-hmm. there's a, ah, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. It's the of like receiving something that you don't deserve and just doesn't make sense to you. Well, there's a lot of language if we keep going in verse uh, 15 on. Oh, wait, you're just going to skip over predestination there? You're just going to let us just keep going right there? You're going to fly over it? Come on now. Well. No, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's go there. Say what you were going to say on 15 because I do think. I think we got to go there. So, That's just too big. Yeah. It's like in him we were chosen. What? Okay. So what I lo- I love our team because here is, so you read that. And I mean, everything in me also balks at that. Sure. Like, because we just re- automatically read everything through like my experience, my lens, my current culture, mm-hmm. my understanding of justice and fairness which is a word that really gets in my way a lot sure. because fairness is not as rich as justice. And so, yeah, I mean, it's in here, what, three times yeah. at least. It says he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He predestined us to be adopted, which predestined means exactly what it sounds like it means. Mm-hmm. It's like a choosing. And then like an ordaining for a certain end. And then I see it's one more time, right? right? Here in 11, because we were predestined according to the plan. Yeah, in him we have also received an inheritance because we were predestined according to the plan of the one who works out everything in agreement with the purpose of his will. Who's <laughs> so the boss? So it does yeah. have that. Yeah, yeah, who's the boss? And I that's that CSB, ESV also uses the same word. I didn't check any other translations, but that's the word and that's the meaning. And here's so, what I love. Just when I'm like, I wrestle with that anew every time I read these passages. Absolutely. And I did like a deep dive when I was in college where I just really like dug in and was like, okay, <laughs> What does this mean? (laughs) And really dug in. But I love that like you're holding that tension. And then here, this is one of the reasons all of these study books is we have John 1, 12. But to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God, Mm. to those who believe in his name, who were born not out of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. Mm -hmm. And so... I don't know that I can articulate it, but somehow it's a both and because yes. it is, I mean, according to scripture, 
It is. Mm-hmm. So how? I don't know. Jenny, do you know? Well, I know this. I know that I learned in seminary a very important principle in discussing things like this that I have clung to. And it was one of my favorite professors. He would always say it. He said it all the time, not just to do with this, but certainly to do with this, is you have to embrace tension because if you don't, you're going to be a heretic. And I thought that was super helpful because what we want is camps. What we want is it's this and not this. It's, you know, and it's like, well, is there evidence throughout scripture of free will? Yes. Is there evidence throughout scripture that God chooses and is sovereign and is in complete control? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Now, how does that work together? That is the great mystery of which we can only understand as much as our minds can handle. And I love that. I actually have come to, when I come to theological difficulties and tensions, what I, I have found is like, ooh, fun. Almost like, okay, he's, he's not in a box I can manage. I like that about God. I don't want a God I can manage. I don't want a God that's like perfectly explained in, you know, a simple, you know, little outline and, and that's who he is. You know, it's like, no, how are both true? How could both, you know, be true together? but they are. And God carries that and God can handle that. But I do believe in, and let me tell you, I actually would listen to a pastor out of Dallas. This was back before seminary. So I was probably in college, young twenties. And I listened to the cassette tapes and my Walkman while I would walk (laughs) around a track and I would listen to him. He was big on predestination and he really believed that and, and cited on that. And I remember that really bothered me. I don't know. I didn't grow up Baptist, but I definitely like had a lot of altar calls. And so in my mind, I was (laughs) thinking like, okay, if you choose to get up and walk down the aisle, you're saved. If you don't, you're going to hell. You know, that was the the mindset. And so he was kind of blowing my brain a little on his. And you kind of hope God catches you on a good day. Right. On a recently altar called day. Yes. But he was hurting my brain because on the cassette tapes, because I felt like, okay, what if God chose us? Like, what if I didn't choose God and walk down the aisle? What if he had chosen me and and he prompted it? And it was just a new idea to me And at that mm-hmm. point in my life. And I'll tell you my first reaction to it. It was great humility. And I would say yeah. that is not the mark of the camp that lands in this. <laughs> and yeah. I want it to be because it should be. Because those of us that believe we are chosen are not special. We are miraculously redeemed from the pit of hell. There is nothing to boast about. That's the point is that we didn't even, right. you know, and, and later in Ephesians, it's going to say that we were dead in our trespasses. We were so yes. dead. How would we raise our arm? You know, to if you're dead, right. you can't raise your arm to God. Like, and then it says, but God, and that, but God is my favorite right. two words in the whole book because it did not depend on me. I love that he sustains it. He set it in motion and he sustains it. So this idea that we are predestined should bring about a lot of confidence, but humble confidence because our humility should be, I don't know what you're doing or why me, like Paul's was, you know, I'm the worst of sinners. Like, I don't know, but I'm so grateful. And it should make us great evangelists because if God did predestine, then we have, we're going to be good at it. 
<laughs> like yeah. we're going to be good at it Those because he it's him, not calls. me. We're working yeah. with God. So I get to share my faith anytime and maybe they'll reject it or maybe they'll receive it. But the miracle of them receiving it is prompted by God. It's not my words, my eloquence. Exactly. Yeah. And so it actually yeah. should. That's a lot of freedom. Yeah, it actually should make us great evangelists. But I think what we do with this truth is we strip the free will from it, which is not embracing the tension. And we don't ever participate. We just think, well, it's all God and yeah. not me. It's already, yeah. It's Yeah, it's been done. And it's all about the cross and it's all about the gospel. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But <laughs> there's three chapters yeah. at the end of Ephesians that say we're supposed to get on with it. Like, yes, right. yes, it's true. But we're also supposed to move, you know, because faith without works is dead. So, well, you said your favorite two words are, but God in Ephesians. Yeah. My favorite three words are now unto him. Yes. Like, that, I yes. mean, like, okay, now everything that led up to this, now unto him. Yes. Let's go. Let's like, go. It's the I love live that. unto him now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, you think about, you know, how abrasive predestination is to any human. That's right. <laughs> who loves a human who has rejected God. And you think about, you know, if you have a sibling or a child or a friend who is walking in the darkness. And you think, no, that's just not fair, like that God wouldn't choose that person. And that's the sitting back and like throwing the arms in the air and just going like, well, I guess that's too bad. Instead, you're saying, no, it is his good pleasure. It is his good will for us to participate in his work and to be his sons and daughters. And it is his good will for us to pray for these people, to mm-hmm. pursue them. It is not just, well, I guess not. People are saved at every age That's and at right. every point in their lives. And and it is like the privilege of being a daughter of the king that gets to pray for and pursue mm. people for the kingdom. That makes it so much less hands in the air. That makes it like now unto him. Right. Let's go. And what a guy who wrote it, right? Like with what you're saying and you think who wrote it. I mean, he was killing Christians and he gets saved. Mm-hmm, so it's right. like, who are we? I think what it constantly does to me, this side of God, his sovereignty and his power and his knowing, you know, all knowingness is it helps me rest. It helps me just go, you know what? God knows. God knows. God knows how that's going to work together for good. And he promises it will. God knows how, you know, this story is going to end. And God knows every single hair on the person I love that doesn't know Jesus. He knows he's counted them all. He knows that person inside and out. He knows exactly how and when they could come to know him. Have you ever stopped to think about the theme of God's presence in scripture? It's everywhere. We see him present in big and apparent ways, in mysterious ways, and in very personal ways. The presence of God is palpable and mighty. And because of Jesus, because of God with us, we can experience his presence today. Our team has spent the last several months digging through scripture, curating chapters and verses and passages so that we can study the presence of God together this fall. We've put together a four-week Bible reading plan that will help you see and trace for yourself the theme of His presence through scripture, and it will help equip you to practice His presence here and now. We're really excited about this Bible reading plan, and we truly hope this will set you up for a lifetime of deeper understanding of God's presence through His Word. Will you join us? Save 15% when you use the code PRESENCE15. Now back to the show. I think Kelly Minter quoted somebody who, and I can't remember who, a couple of weeks ago when she was on the podcast, 
And she said, and I rest my head on the pillow of God's sovereignty at night. Mm-hmm. Like that is where I rest my head. Amen. And, and there's such a like, yep, okay. And th- that's all I need to yeah. know that God is sovereign. But it's also the same tension. It's like it, it both gives us rest, like the kind of rest that you just described, Jenny, and it lights a fire in a confident way. Like, why would I sit back if this doesn't rest in my power anyway, or in anyone else's? Mm. Like if, again, when we, you know, misplace or flip that paradigm to put any human, whether it's someone rejecting God or our, you know, eloquence and knowledge of him, anything in a seat of more power than God's actual sovereignty and will and goodness and justice and love. God and all of the attributes that he contains, he is is always, I have my hand above my head like a, <laughs> like a hat. Like he is always in control and sovereign over all of the other things. And so it does allow me to lie down at night and put my head on the pillow and usually I sleep. But it also gets me out of bed in the morning. That's right. <laughs> because okay. um, if God is for us, who could be against us? Like we are participating. We are not commanding. We are not driving the ship. I mean, if we are, then that's silly. Mm -hmm. You know, if we're boasting, then we don't understand the gospel. Mm. We are passive in the work of our salvation, but we are active in the response to our Mm -hmm. salvation. I don't know. But even that, I think there's a tension even in like saying, I don't know that that's completely true, that we're passive in the act of our salvation. Because there's, I mean, scripture says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, what does that mean? Like, here we go. We could just keep going. And I think that's the tension. I think it's, you know, I love what he said. If you let go of one side of the rope, you're in heresy. How do you hold both sides? I don't know. But I do know that (laughs) <laughs> what we're doing in this conversation, that's what it looks like of like, well, but this, you know, and and I think I remember another wise thing he said was always do theology in community because of this principle. Oh, that's that, good. That you, oh, yeah. we will each kind of have our drum we're beating, right? Like we'll have our favorite verse, right. we'll have our favorite passage, we'll have our favorite truth about God and we'll beat it hard. And then somebody will look at us and go, but this too, right? Like, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is both. And I think, That's the power of the church and community is that we're all carrying these mysteries together, that we're all experiencing different attributes of God on a given day. And we're, we're bringing, you know, different, we're revealing to each other different, you know, parts of who God is. Yeah. I mean, this is why we, I mean, we get emails. I'm sure y'all get emails too, just like deep theological, important theological questions. Like, what? Like the one that you just asked. Not, like, not what, even what like, about, what, what about does the Bible say about that? Because I, I can answer that. I can tell you what the Bible says about things, but like, how does predestination work? You know, mm. okay, thank you for sending that email. This is something to be discussed and walked out in community. Yeah. Like, this is a, a local answer. church question. This is not something that I, I don't know you. I haven't looked you in the eye ever. Mm. And so when we get emails like that, which is kind of often, we just have to go, that's a question to, to live out and ask in community. That's good. Which is not a cop-out. It's actually really important yes. that we dismiss ourselves from thinking that we're a part of that. And the role that we know we have is what does the Bible say about? And we're happy to help with that. Like, what a privilege to get to help with that. Mm-hmm. But then the nuanced theology things, that's where we go, like, actually, that's not, that's not the thing that we're going to answer by an email. Well, and that's the beauty of the local church, right? That the local right. church is yeah. the importance of yeah, the local church. Yeah, and it's it's required in our lives because that's where we're supposed to be 
figuring this out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, you know, Paul is, that's where he's going to go later in this letter is to really emphasize unity among believers and the roles that we all play and the way that we are to live in relationship with one another. And that, even that, I mean, that makes me bristle as much as the predestination lines, mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> you know, that like, wait, I'm supposed to submit to those in authority. I'm supposed to submit to the head of my household, but that's not, that's not the full of it. It is a relationship. It's not just here, Amanda is what you're supposed to do. No, like he's talking to the church. Here's how you're supposed to treat one another. And this is how unity works. Mm. Unity, you can't have unity if it's a one-way street. Mm. <laughs> like it doesn't work that way. And so we'll get into that just we'll just a tease for the next couple <laughs> next couple weeks. So um, we're we're like forty minutes we into have this to episode. Keep going. We have to keep going. I'm we're so never excited. gonna get through. I wanna okay. We don't have to get through, but not get through, but I wanna keep going. Okay, I'm gonna read it's the day two rating, which is only fifteen through nineteen, and then I wanna hear your thoughts on 15. Oh, I just want us to listen for all of the like wealth and inheritance language. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. Because that's another thing that like frankly makes me a little uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like talk of, I don't like to talk about money and wealth and like that that imagery I think is really, inten- obviously it's intentional, it's God's mm-hmm. word, but the refrain of inheritance and riches and all of that mm-hmm. comes around so many times, not just in this passage, but through the rest yeah. of the book. And this is another one that's a run-on sentence. In the ESV, even, mm-hmm. 16 through 21 is all one sentence. Go, Paul. Really get it. Get He's after too it. passionate for punctuation. Yeah. Punctuation was not thing, down. Really, right? Yeah. Too passionate for punctuation. So 15 through 19 says, and it, we just finished, when we get the this is why it matters, that we go back and ask what is why. And 14 is that the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance until the redemption of the possession to the praise of his glory. So the, the Holy Spirit is our down payment. This is why, since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I never stop giving thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. And this is a prayer for spiritual insight. So he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And then listen to this. I love it. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the mighty working of his strength. There are a lot of adjectives. There's a lot going on in there, and I love it. Like the hope, the wealth, and the immeasurable greatness. This is not a small God. And we have we ever needed those words more? I mean, we need our hearts to be enlightened. We need mm-hmm. to know that hope that he's called us to. We need the riches of his glorious inheritance. <laughs> like we need, you know, power right now. And I think those words and strength, we need what these verses say mm-hmm. we have. And, yeah. and I think like, I want to use this as a prayer as that I pray for my friends and for my kids that I pray that your heart may be enlightened. Mm. Yeah. And that the true prize is knowing Jesus like this, what you just read, that is the ultimate prize. That is success mm-hmm. <laughs> with air quote. Like that is, it's not what we can accumulate, what we can build, what we can do what we can make of ourselves, like it is all what God has lavished on us. And again, just with sovereignty and, you know, understanding there's such freedom mm-hmm. in that of like, this is, this is God's gift to us. 
Let me read the last three verses of chapter one, which is all we we're covering in day three. Okay. And then Jenny, I want you to read chapter two. Okay. The last three verses of Ephesians one. He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Mm. That is not a small three verses. Oh my gosh. I mean, the fact that the power is the same as the one that has raised Christ from the dead, that before in verse 19, (laughs) and then that he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand, that there is that power in us. I think that's, I think we miss that as Christians. I think we... We, yes. we miss that we have been given the same power that raised Christ from the dead. I, I think if we actually could take that in, we would be a lot less of victims to our circumstances and to our, you know, emotions and our thoughts than we are, you know, yes. powerful over them. I love that passage. All right. Truly. Ephesians 2. It's not a bad passage to read, Jenny. Oh, I'm really, really excited. Okay. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Can I make like a couple comments as I go? <laughs> yeah, yes. please do. Okay. I think that would be great. Okay. I'd like to hear this from the Jenny Allen commentary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah, talk um, to us. I mean, let's just be real that there's an enemy. So we've got to realize that the mm-hmm. one reason it's really hard to take all these truths in is there's an enemy trying to, you know, what we know from other passages is, you know, kill, steal, and destroy. He's trying, you know, his his native language is lying. So there's a ruler of the air that is at work in all of us or is at work to cause us to disobey, right? And to not understand this. In other places, it says any argument lifted up against the knowledge of God, that that's coming from the enemy, an argument lifted up to believe these things, that our identity is secure. So we've got to realize there's a full out war against us believing this truth. Because if we truly believe it and let it seep into our bones, then it's going to change everything and the enemy knows it. So verse three, all of us who lived, all of us who lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts, like the rest of us, we were by nature deserving of wrath. And that's our humility. That is our humility. It was who we were. Our identity was that, that we were children of wrath, that we were gratifying our own desires, that we, like Isaiah says, we like sheep have all gone astray. Each of us are going our own way, that we want our own way. Right. And then verse four, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. I don't need to give any commentary there. That is absolutely Amen. unbelievable. Even when we were dead <laughs> in our transgressions, that we yeah. could do nothing but God rescued us. It is by grace Mm -hmm. that you have been saved. It is like the ultimate. In the beginning, he is pumping us up saying, this is who you are. This is the power you've been given. You are adopted children of God. You've been given the Holy Spirit, the power. But don't forget that you were a child of wrath. Don't forget that you were dead in your transgressions. 
and that mm-hmm. it is only by grace that you have all this. He's just making God look so good. <laughs> you know, he's yes. just making God look so good. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Verse eight, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. not by works so that nobody can boast. Verse 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. That means even the good works we're gonna go accomplish, he prepared in advance for us to do. Right. Like we we literally, this is like the ultimate, you know, diss. You know, it's like you, you, you get, <laughs> you don't get credit for anything. Like God is going to do it all. He's even going to accomplish the good works you're gonna do in the future. And then- yeah. Verse 11, therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, We both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. (laughs) That's crazy. Mm. Built on the foundation (laughs) of the apostles and prophets and Christ Jesus himself is that chief cornerstone. Verse 21, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, let it be. And in him, you two (laughs) are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Amen. Thanks be to God. There's an extra in the study book. There's a comparison, like a from death to life. And I just, it's just so powerful to see it all there together. So it's like old life, new life. We were dead. We are alive. We were enslaved. We are enthroned. We were objects of wrath. We are objects of grace. We walked among the disobedient. We now fellowship with Christ. We were under Satan's dominion. We are now united with Christ. We're not just under Christ's dominion. We are united with Christ. Mm -hmm. It's just the, it is death and life. It is night and day. You know, it's just, it is remarkable. And the way that, you know, you mentioned earlier, the strategy with which Paul lays out this, you know, letter and it's, it's so the efficiency of words here is really, it's a lot. It feels like you can feel like you're kind of drowning in these paragraphs. Mm. I also really like hearing Jenny read Paul. That's <laughs> yeah. my favorite thing. Oh, that's yeah. sweet. We're going to need the, the J-A-V, yeah. the Jenny Allen version. <laughs> Yeah, I get Paul. I I get what he's saying in that he's truly trying to shift our view of 
the purpose, right? He's like, hey, hey, I know I just pumped y'all up and like you get all this awesome stuff with God, but like, let's not get cocky. And I think that's where we've got to be careful as Christians is we've got to know the truth and what the truth should do is not cause us to think more highly of ourselves, which I think is one of the sicknesses in Christianity right now is that there is this looking down on other people for all Mm. kinds of things, but there is a, hey, I am with you. I am one of you. Scott Sauls yesterday posted a great quote. He said, you know, never read about Jesus eating with sinners and be like, oh my gosh, look, Jesus ate with sinners. Be like, Jesus ate with us. <laughs> like that's humility. Right. Yeah, it's, exactly. it's not thinking like, oh, yeah. wow, he sat with prostitutes. He sat with, you know, tax collectors. He sat with, you know, murderers, thieves. No, he that's sat us. with us. Like that's the thing. And I just, <laughs> I think that's the thing we can never lose in our walk with Jesus. And I think it's compelling to the world when we are honest about our sin and when we, admit, you know what, we, we know that we know what that feels like. We know what it feels like to feel like you, you aren't good enough because we've all been there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the power of that, you know, when you were reading, we, we paused for a minute on verse 10 that we've all heard. I mean, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You know, I, my experience in the past in the more distant past with that verse is one of like a greeting card relationship, which is fine. You know, it's, it is beautiful and true and encouraging and all of those things, but reading it in context and in context of scripture and in context, even of this conversation, it is remarkable. It is like a talk about like lighting a fire. That's what it is. And, and I'm going to read again from, N.T. Wright's translation of this verse, I loved. It's, this is the explanation. God has made us what we are. God has created us in King Jesus for the good works that he prepared ahead of time as the road we must travel. Mm. But that like, here's the explanation. God has made us what we are. Mm. And like, you know, so we, we argue. I mean, I argue all the time with the Lord implicitly about the way he created me. Mm. Like, I mean, you know, why couldn't you have created a more efficient human, God? (laughs) Like, why are all of these things so hard or why are, but he has created us and planned for us the way, like you were talking earlier about partnering with him, Rachel, like he has created us to fulfill the way that he has called us to partner with him. Mm -hmm. It's that whole, like, if he has... He has called you. He has also equipped you. Mm-hmm. It's the living stones. It's the first Peter yeah. two five, where like at that very end of chapter two, where Jenny was reading, like in him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Jesus Christ is the cornerstone, but we're the living stones. Yeah. Like Christ inhabits the temple, which is us, the living stones. Mm. Right. And that we as a church are being put together into the temple mm-hmm. of the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Like Jeff Bethke talked about that recently when he was on the podcast that we are, because we were talking about unity and that we are actually like Jesus is the cornerstone, but he is building us. Like we are each blocks in the temple of the Lord that he is, that Christ is building. And just that, it's mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Something else that struck me kind of for the first time and when we were reading this just now in chapter two, seven, we were talking about how like the talk of riches sometimes makes us bristle, like the wealth conversation. But I think that what I love so much about 
the truth of the kingdom is that, especially in Ephesians, it reframes the yes. whole idea of riches and wealth. Like in, in chapter two, verse seven, it's so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. The the riches, the wealth, like even in chapter one, you know, it says, what is the wealth of his glorious inheritance in the saints? This has nothing to do with hundred dollar bills. Mm. Like mm-hmm. the whole wealth is the inheritance of God's kindness and the whole wealth from Jesus. Like the inheritance is the kindness to us in Jesus Christ. It is grace. Mm, yeah. Our inheritance is not a financial inheritance yeah. that we we look to and think, okay, or like being a, a daughter of Christ means like the bank account's going to be okay. Mm. It's so much better than that. And I like that we're not saying it's different than that. It's better. Mm. Yeah, I think the sadness is that these mysteries, because they are hard to believe, we do not actually put them on and wear them, right? Like one of the stories I love to tell is about going to the Natural History Museum during the time of the movie Titanic. And so they had Mm -hmm. a really special, you know, the Hope Diamond is there, which kind of was played out in that movie. And and mm-hmm. the Hope Diamond was there. So they had a big special thing about it. And I couldn't wait to see it. And we walked through all the dead animals, you know, to get up to the to the diamond that I wanted to see. And and I was so excited. My kids knew it. Like, that's why I wanted to go there. I wanted to go see it. And so we get into the room and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And there's all these signs and it's in this glass box with a light pointing down. And we walk up to it and I felt nothing. I've been waiting like for days to see it. And I was like, oh my gosh, like I don't feel even like a little flutter. Like I just, it's a necklace, you know, it's a rock. Okay. There it is. And I was so disappointed. And I walked out because I I built anticipation of like feeling something. And I walked out. And this was my thought, y'all. This is how my brain works. I thought to myself, I bet I'd feel something if I stole it. <laughs> like if I broke the glass and I was on my neck and I was running out of the building, like I promise yeah. you, I would feel something. <laughs> and it's like oceans. Alone. Yes. And I think that's our problem is we look at it in a glass box. Like if there's one thing like we could close with, with this, it's, it's don't look at Ephesians one and two in a glass box with a light on it. That's like this sacred truth that you're like, yes, that's true. I see that. That's real. Like you've got to wear it. Like you've got to put it mm-hmm. in you. You've got to believe it. You've got to, to feel something, to be changed by it, to be different because of it. Like we have to actually wear it. <laughs> it's got to be true of us. Yeah. It can't just be true out there. It's got to be true of us. The difficulty of our you know, nature of, of wrath and the beauty of our redemption as adopted children of God, like both things have got to be you know, vividly true to us. And that takes work and thought and prayer and the spirit moving and fighting for that to be true for us. So, you know, back to your verse that you mentioned earlier, like we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I think that's what it is, is like, how does it work its way into us where this is true, not just true in the Bible, not just true, you know, because God says so, but it is true in me. It is true for me. It is true, you know, and I think that would change things. I really do. I think believing just these two, you know, we can pull out these two and a few chapters in Romans and call it a day. Like this is (laughs) the gospel. This is the simple, beautiful truth of who God is and who we are because of it. Yeah. The whole, our our bleak state and the lavish gift Mm, all at once. 
Yeah. Well, and I hope that everyone listening, y'all, thanks for sticking with us for this hour. That was amazing. And I love that we, the three of us, can talk in community Mm. and hold this with a lot of I don't understand and a lot of I don't knows and a lot of worship and just gratitude for God's word, declaring that we know it's true even if we don't understand how it works. Mm. And that those are two separate things, and I love that. Jenny, as we close every episode of the Series Truth podcast, we like to spend that first hour talking about God's Word and the beauty, goodness, and truth that we find there. And then at the end, we like to ask our guest, where in your life are you looking up and seeing beauty, goodness, Mm. and or truth in your life, and it can be something as simple as a really beautiful egg yolk, which I recently claimed as my beauty, goodness, and truth. Mm. Or, or it can be, for example, I'm looking past Rachel's beautiful face to this amazing hydrangea bush that's right outside of mm. our window where we're recording, and it greets me. It's by the parking lot, and so every morning I pull up, and I'm just like, "What a gift!" It's like because there are multiple bushes and they're all super full and in bloom uh, right now and it completely and obscures so my view of all the cars which that's is right great. yeah and so it's just mm. like the most beautiful backdrop that it feels lavish like mm. a gift like oh the lord i think about that in this in like when things are in bloom like he didn't have to make flowers so beautiful mm-hmm. or like give them a fragrance or like just the things that the Lord does as a reflection of himself and like for his good pleasure mm-hmm. are just it's sweet. Remember um, episode 32 of the podcast, Amanda, Ruth Simons told us that she likes to go outside and lay her eyes on something every day that she had nothing to do with. Mm, yeah. That's good. True. Yeah. Okay, so Jenny, what do you got for us? Oh, I mean, the only one that's just like the blinking light in my face right now is my 18-year-old daughter. (laughs) She is such a reflection of God's goodness to me. And I enjoy her so much. And it's such a moment as I'm sending her to college right now, you know, in the next few weeks, it is such a moment of reflecting on parenthood and, and the hardship of that and the joy of that. But I mean, I did the creepy thing the other day. She's going to kill me if she hears this, um, (laughs) that I went in her room while she was sleeping and I totally watched her. It was like that creepy book where, you know, like um, where the the grandmother's like rocking his adult son. I'm like, yeah, Yeah. love you forever. Like you always or whatever. I totally did that. I I did not rock her, you You know, crawled into her window. Yes, I was (laughs) that creepy parent. But I did because she's about to leave. I didn't even cry because what I thought was I like you. I'm proud of you. You're not going to be sleeping. Okay, now I'm going to cry. You're not going to be sleeping in this bed forever. But I love that I look at you and see God's goodness. And I look at you and see God's goodness now going into the world, going into the dark world. And there is a reward in that that is I never could have seen coming, launching a child into, into life. And I already felt it with my son of just like an arrow, like just go accomplish your purpose. Like we have been pulling you back yes. and doing the work and now I'm going to let go and you're going to go accomplish God's purposes for you in the world. And and there's hardship in that, but there's mostly joy. There's mostly yeah. a feeling of beauty and gratefulness and gosh, thank you. Like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you that I'm going to miss her. Thank you, God, mm-hmm. that she's delightful <laughs> enough that I'm going to miss her. You know, there's yeah. people that don't, that have other problems at that age. And I think she's she's that picture for me right now of just celebration and God's goodness and kindness over us. And yeah. I love that. 
Oh, hi, Kate. <laughs> Hope you're listening. Hopefully she's not listening. <laughs> Hopefully you're not listening so that you don't think your mom is yep. creepy, but just know that your mama loves yep. you. That's good. Well, Jenny, thank you so much for joining us for this. Listeners, come back next week. We're going to cover Ephesians chapters 3, 4, and part of chapter 5 with Rebecca Ferris, one of our writers and a former employee of She Reads Truth, one of our favorites. And so we're going to get dig into week two with her. Until next week, Jenny, what do we say? Keep opening your Bibles. 